I'm going to start. <laughs> I'm going to start in the 17th century, which was the start of European occupation at the Cape. The Cape was discovered um, the previous century by the Portuguese, but the business of trade with the East, which was very important at that time, uh, was taken over by the Dutch, and not simply by the Dutch, but by the Dutch East India Company. Um, they found an exotic place. The Cape was very exotic at that time. There was this strange mountain with a flat top. There were um, wild animals. There were exotic plants. There were lions on the mountain. Elephants were not far away. The climate was perfect for grapes. It was warm, it was Mediterranean, it, there was lots of water, but there was one problem. There was a very fierce wind that blew. And that explains Chenin Blanc in a way because it is very largely wind resistant. Um, the first settler there was Jan van Riebeck. He was sent out by the company, the Dutch East India Company. Uh, that's what it looked like. Very wild and stormy. A lot of these artists never went there. They drew the pictures from what they'd been told. And it's not realistic. There's Jan van Riebeck. There's a better one of Jan van Riebeck. <laughs> and um, he's the first wine groupie from South Africa. He came there, he's a Dutchman, he knew nothing about wine. He didn't know anything about growing vines, but he taught himself. And the Dutch East India Company, or the VOC, uh, oops, there we are. They believed in advertising. Ferro Oost Indische Compagnie. These plates are sold for thousands of rand these days. Blue and white technology they picked up in the East, of course took it back to Holland and called it Delft. There we are. And one of the jobs he was given to do was to plant the uh, vegetable garden so that the, uh, the soldiers, at Cape, uh, the sailors who came past the Cape would get fresh vegetables and meat because scurvy was a huge problem in, on a very long voyage. And between him and the leadership of the, of the Dutch East India Company, they decided they had to make wine to save money on buying Spanish wine to give to the sailors and to keep the people happy at the Cape. There was a very small community and he asked for, Van Riemick asked for cuttings very soon after he arrived. And um, it was very interesting he was sent bundles of cuttings which were packed in damp soil in barrels and um, amongst them was Chenin Blanc. In those days it was called Stien and um, Henri <laughs> and I have talked about this at length. The interesting thing this, from this book which is produced here by your society tells the story of the free trade agreement between Holland and France which allowed free trade on the River Loire. And the Dutch were very keen businessmen and they controlled that trade on the Loire and became French citizens, actually. They liked it here 
they controlled the trade and they settled and they started dealing in wine and sending it out to the rest of Europe. So that explains why um, the cuttings would have come from the Loire to the, to the Dutch East India Company. They had their um, colleagues on the Loire, so it was very handy for them to supply them. Um, unfortunately, the people, in, the, the settlers at the Cape had very little experience of grapes. They were used to growing radishes and beans and they didn't understand grapes. They didn't understand, understand vines. But the one who became the chief viticulturist was von Riebeck. He loved the vines and he gave himself a very nice farm. And when he left, I think there were 6,000 vines, of which 12,000 belonged to von Riebeck. There we are. On 16, 1659, the first grapes were pressed. They were, it was probably horrible. But he records, he records very nicely... Um, His exact words, uh, may God be praised, glory be to God. Wine was pressed for the first time from Cape grapes and the new must fresh from the tubs was tasted. He also goes on to name the vines, the wine, the grapes as Stian Draven. And that's the start of the problem and the, con and the confusion with the name Stian. Stian Draven. He also pressed muscadel, muscat grapes, and said that they were very green, which makes sense because the shinnan actually ripens earlier than the muscat varieties, which would explain why the muscat was so green. And I spoke to Henri and he said, in those days, muscat was thought to come from Spain. And Van Riebeck says, Spansadroven, Spanish grapes. They made a total of 14 litres, that was all. It was Mickey Mouse wine, but it was the start. They didn't make wine again until five years later, and um, then the company decided that any wine that was made had to be sold to the company, and the company would uh, distribute it. And that started a whole lot of underhand dealing. Nobody wanted to be tied down to that arrangement. The next governor that came was van der Stel, and he arrived with, with knowledge of wine. He had made wine, he was well connected, he was a commander to begin with, and he was appointed governor. And um, within no time at all, he'd uh, examined the Cape, uh, the Cape and the territory, and decided that Constantia was where he wanted his farm. And he awarded himself a very nice farm in Constantia. And so we have, there's Fondestel, and there's Quod Constantia. It's a national monument now, uh, very much visited, famous gable. It burned down about 100 years ago and was rebuilt. There's a cellar with a very nice sculpture at the top. 
after van der Stil, and van der Stil set out to improve wine. He said when he arrived, the best wine that he tasted was the wine from the Steen grapes. And he then set about ensuring that hygiene was carried out properly, that grapes were looked after properly, that all the winemaking machinery and instruments were properly cleaned, and he improved everything. And again, some years later, he said, without any doubt, the best wine comes from Stien. So it is well documented from the 17th century that Stien was established there, and we know, and I will get to that, that Stien is Chenin Blanc. In 1688, the French Huguenots arrived. At last, we had people who knew something about wine. The Dutch did not know. They didn't have a clue. But the French, they were Huguenots. They very often came from wealthier families. They had a very strong Christian belief. They left for reasons of principle. And while they weren't actually wine growers, only one was listed as a wine grower, they brought the culture of wine to South Africa. And the wives very often were the ones who did it. They coaxed their men folk in the right way of doing it. They had a very difficult <coughs> excuse me, a very difficult time when they arrived because they were spread out amongst the Dutch. The Dutch didn't want them to form a clique, and they were very unhappy. They were sad, but they integrated over time and they have left an incredible heritage in South Africa. We see it in their names like Marais, Leroux, Duplessis, and so on. And this is the Huguenot Memorial in Franschhoek, which used to be called Olifanthoek, the Elephant's Corner. And a lot of the uh, French Huguenots settled there. They did kind of coalesce to some extent. And um, they are honoured and respected in South Africa as having made a huge contribution to our history. Another... Right. Now, Stien was regarded as the grape, but... There we go. What happened was... Every... <laughs> I love the Dutch East India Company because they recorded everything right down to the last silver button. But they did not record the, the types of vine. They recorded the numbers of vines. And by the time the French Huguenots arrived, there were over three million vines planted in the Cape. It had grown exponentially. But in the following century, um, the amount of Shannon deteriorated considerably. The, 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 I think the farmers were very keen on volume. They were cheating the Dutch reform, Dutch, uh, the, the company. There was so much smuggling and underhand dealing, pretending they weren't making so much wine and it was all going onto ships and into inns and everybody was drinking like crazy. And so they wanted vines that produced more wine, more berries, more grapes. And so they changed slowly to Semillon, which they called Grundreif. Not because the grapes are green, but because the leaves were very green. Grundreif means green grape. So much so that by um, 1822, Grundreif was 
93.7% of the total plantings. Steen came in at 0.8. It was, it was one of the top six, so it had a place. Um, there was a problem uh, during the, the 18th century because there were a lot of wars. The English fought the, uh, the American War of Independence. There was a, the English fought the Dutch, and the Dutch had to give the Cape to, to England, to Britain, uh, once and then a second time. And finally, in 1806, the Cape became British, and it stayed that way until 1961. So we move over to the more modern period and the resolution of the names Stian and Chenin Blanc, which is a very long story, which I won't go into now, but it was the late Professor Chris Orfer who was asked to settle this question. And there had been a hope, a forlorn hope, a sad little hope, that Stian was a South African type of grape that had been born and bred in South Africa. But the history tells us a different story. It was already steering from Jan van Riebeck's day. So Orpha knew that and he said, no, no, no. The only way to do this is scientifically. And they imported um, proper cuttings of Chenin Blanc and grew them alongside Stien in the same vineyard side by side. It took a long time because there's quarantine measures that had to be gone through and so on and so forth. And <clears throat> he showed beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were the same. The big question was where had this name Stien come from? It had come from Jan van Riebeck's day and Henri has been very interesting about this because He's now following it up because Stien means stone. And he said, perhaps it relates to the soil that the grapes came from. Perhaps it came from the minerality in the wine. So he's researching that. But the interesting thing too, was that for years, even in, from van der Stel's time, they thought that Stien was a German grape. And they referred to it as German. I'm very happy to discuss this in greater detail, should someone want to know, because it went on and on for a long time. But the names, thank you, the names were, name of Stien and France were evidently switched. But it was the, it was the vineyard test that showed that Stien and Chenin were one and the same. We then move on to the more modern period, and a very innovative wine company in South Africa, a huge company, Stellenbosch Farmers Winery. Bear in mind, Stellenbosch was named after van der Stel. That's where the name comes from. Um, Stellenbosch Farmers Winery realized they had so much Chenin Blanc on their hands, they had to do something, and they designed a brand called Lieberstein. It was off-dry. Remember, most people drank wines that were sweet. This was slightly sweet, and it was backed by a huge marketing campaign. You couldn't, if you turned on the radio, you'd hear the little jingle, anywhere, anytime, Lieberstein. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all the marketing wouldn't have helped if 
if the wine was not good. But it was delicious. It was absolutely delicious. It was almost entirely made from Chenin Blanc. It was sometimes blended with other things. They set, the uh, SFW set a very ambitious target of 30,000 litres per annum to sell. It was such a success that within five years, they were up to 31 million litres. And it stayed as the world's largest brand for decades. Liebestein was a big success. And people through Liebestein got to know the taste of Chenin Blanc. And it stayed that way for a long time. That was in 1959. And by 1965, it was a world brand. In 1973, South Africa enacted uh, <laughs> some minute. South Africa enacted the wine of origin legislation, which guaranteed the integrity of the label. So if the bottles, if the label said Chenin Blanc, the wine had to be Chenin Blanc. It's a system that is in use today. It's policed. Oh, there's Professor Offer. And uh, there's a settlement. There's Lieberstein. There we go. <coughs> Wine and Spirit Board. Um, policed. Everything is written. It's all recorded. It's now totally digitized. South Africa was the first country in the world, in the new world, to enact this legislation. Then comes Niederberg. Niederberg, um, a world brand. Star, um, an old farm was rehabilitated by Johann Grauer starting in the 1950s. He found a lot of Stien on the farm and he was enchanted by Stien, but very surprised at the incredible variety, uh, variation in quality. He did the first, first clonal selection of Shannon on the farm and that was followed up by South Africa's first noble late harvest, a botrytized wine, and the legislation did not cater for it. It was illegal for two or three years, and we had to smuggle a bottle out to get it. It was so special. It was beautiful. The sugars reached up to sometimes up to 300 grams per liter. It was incredibly sweet. Then comes after, and oh, something I must say about that is, in the early, early days of Edelkirch, it never had Chenin Blanc on the label. Now, since 2003, it has Chenin Blanc on the label. And I spoke to Gunter Brosel, who made the first one last week, uh, and he said, I said, why Chenin Blanc? He had Semillon, he had Riesling, he was German, why didn't he use Riesling? I said, why Chenin Blanc? He said, of course, why not? So he was a fan of Chenin as well. More modern history, Blue White from my cellar. I, I said, people are not taking... <laughs> Dominique. People are not taking Chenin Blanc seriously. We need to make this our flagship white wine in South Africa. And we need to look after our old vineyards and stop pulling them out. 
That was in 1995. It was followed by the Chenin Blanc Challenge from Wine Magazine, which was, gave big impetus to the production of good Chenin Blanc. The formation of the Chenin Blanc Association in 1999, I got all the Chenin Blanc producers together, and we had a meeting, and they said, we've got to do this because we've neglected it too long. The Chenin Blanc Association was born. The Rendezvous de Chenin, 2003 and 2004, one minute. <laughs> and um, South Africa was challenged by the French. We did very well in the dry categories. The French won all the sweet categories of wine. Market research, very important. Helene Nouveau is here. She has done an incredible, incredible project over the years at the University of Stellenbosch. And it has given birth to 10 master's theses and four PhD theses. And the purpose of that was market in-depth scientific market research analyzing the challenging problem of the variety of styles. Ken Forrester put the Chenin Blanc Association on a proper financial footing with marketing. The Old Vine Project, the first wine policed by the Wine and Spirit Board, came out and, as Tim James wrote, a category like the best is debatable. First is usually not argued over. Christophe von La Chevalerie's Never Dame Chenin Blanc 2017 was the first wine to bear the certified heritage vineyard seal with a date of the vineyard 1974. Je vous remercie pour votre attention. Thank you.